0: Well, good morning. Good morning. It is uh, March twelfth, two thousand twenty-three. This is week ten of the BP Apologetics um, class, and this is the uh, the conversational apologetics. And um, Jesse was just asking about, uh, are we going to do a, a part two? Um, and uh, she said, uh, it's nice to know how to have the conversation. It sure would be nice to know what to talk about, <laughs> which I totally agree with. It was why I had so much trouble with launching this class to begin with. So um, anyhow, I, I don't know where um, you know the top brass stands on that, if we'll get around to doing a, um, a, a classical apologetics course or not. I, uh, I hope so. Uh, I don't know, maybe David will take lead on that one. Um, Uh, But anyways, it it, it certainly would be nice. So um, just for a a refresher where we've landed, it took us, you know, several weeks, three, four, five, six weeks maybe even to, um, uh, well, for me basically to realize I'm not good enough to split the difference. You know, I, I was having trouble trying to. Uh, uh, articulate the, the 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 classical arguments, and then also simultaneously weave in how to field the the discussion. So, at the end of the day, we basically just dropped it, and we've been focusing exclusively on the tactics. We were utilizing a, a another book, which was a "Reason for God" by Tim Keller. Uh, we've we've let that go, but. Um, that reason for God was a, a lot of the classical stuff so again I, I don't know maybe we'll maybe we'll get around to that hopefully we will and if that's something um, if you're in the room right now or you're listening to this recording and that's something you're interested in do me a favor and uh, plug Bob or, or Dave Brown or somebody and let them know um, let them know that's what you want so uh, anybody want to pray for it? oh David I'm sorry buddy um, I was talking
1: to Bob during the week and because. Um, the posted- for Old Testament overview, New Testament overview, looking at least for those kind of classes, and maybe this would be one as well, going to the semester, mm. and instead of 11 weeks, go to 16. Okay. And, uh, so you've got all
0: and then that. what? Would they just break that up so you would still do your chunks? And
1: then it would depend how you, for this, it would depend how you want to teach it. Okay. But you'd have uh, an extra five weeks or so to... Uh, be able
0: to do it. Okay, and where does that bigger stretch fall? Does that fall after summer break or when?
1: He didn't say that.
0: Okay, all right, so there's still some they're, details there.
1: Uh, they're ready to realize nope. in the need for that. Probably, like, a class like this would definitely
0: okay, do. all right, so uh, Mr. Bristow says that uh, there's a chance that our class might qualify for an extension, so um, keep your fingers crossed. Nice hat, buddy! Uh-huh. Somebody want to pray for us? Apparently, it's Vance's.
1: Doesn't look as good on him.
0: Yeah, look better on you. Look better on you. Somebody pray for us. Sure.
2: Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the beautiful rain that you give us. The weather we have here in the Northwest. Pray for your blessing on this time as we um, come together to to better to, to better learn how to defend ourselves. And to defend you, uh, that maybe we open our mouths and you speak through us, both now and in cases when we're talking to someone who
0: challenges you. Bless this time, help us to grow closer to you as a result. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, John. Um, as Trey pointed out, um, in that syllabus, I did not put what the reading assignment was and that was silly of me, but I knew for a fact that I had typed it out, and I did. It was in the body of the email that I sent out initially early in the semester. But as as and I still haven't updated or corrected that. I apologize, but but the reading assignment is the same. Just you know, hopefully you've read the chapters. So, anyways, because the the, the semester or the class is, is winding down. So next week's our last week. So if you're looking for credit, having done the reading, and you, you there'll be a, a place where you can attest to that next week. Um, doing a simple paragraph. Doesn't have to be tremendous. Two, three sentences. You know, if, if you want to elaborate a little bit more, that's fine. But but a simple paragraph on each of the tactics that we've we've covered um, or that you read through, just basically just showcasing that you, you read it and you've got some kind of comprehension of it. It doesn't have to be elaborate, but just, can I take this principle and either regurgitate Greg's words or put it in my own words either way is is fine they both communicate understanding so that's all the the uh the writing assignment is 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 articulating each tactic in in a few sentences um we'll have a um, we'll have a easy you know just kind of stir your memory sort of uh quiz next week and then um there was the there was the sharing your faith portion, which was, a, you know, it sounded maybe a little bit bigger than what it was, but over the last 11 weeks, have you had the opportunity to share your faith with anybody? Have you utilized any tactics? Whether it was a good experience or a bad experience, you know, just what happened? The fact that you had an experience, that you're out there on the field, good, bad, or indifferent, um, you know, just write up a little report on, on what that experience was and, and what you felt like. Any direction you want to go with it is fine what you felt like maybe you learned from that what what new insights or new spin on an argument that somebody gave you that you hadn't heard before or and and showed you that you know um uh, you're never done studying or, 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 or whatever it might be, but just your personal experience kind of capturing that in, in within a couple of paragraphs. So uh, not tremendously tall mountains to, to ascend, um, but if you want credit, that's, that's what's required. Um, and then, David, how do you next week, do you want to... No? That's fine. Are you going to be here? no you're not all right we're next week's going to be fairly light we're we're gonna we're gonna do some quizzes and things but then I'm probably just going to be throwing some things out there randomly um, and and seeing how you respond we might do a little bit of role playing a little bit of QA but um, Anyways, that's, that's how we'll spend the, 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 the time, the hour next week. It won't be really a structured lesson, but just kind of what's on your heart, what's on your mind. So if there's anything that's been bugging you, like, hey, you know, this whole time I never heard you mention this one thing. Why? Or you said this thing in class and I have yet to understand that, you know, what's up with that? Or So anything that might be on your heart, just, just consider that and, and be prepared to bring it back and, and let's discuss that together. So for now, reviewing the inside-out tactic, that's what we covered last week and it's my personal favorite and it's primarily because it's, it's not so much a, uh, a maneuver as it is just a, a, a mindset, it's a frame of mind, a, a way of, of thinking. And you're essentially um, assuming that you and the person you're talking to both understand what it means to be human and have the same human experiences, right? And you can trade with that currency. Um, so what, what does it mean to be human? What were we saying last week? What does that mean? Uh, Francis Schaefer called it the, the mannishness manish, the of man. What was his point in that? What was he encapsulating? put here to subdue the earth? And why were we given that, uh, that unique privilege? God. Yeah, Julie said created like God, James said Imago Dei, uh, essentially the same thing, yeah. The image of God, or, or the Latin, the Imago Dei, refers to the immaterial part of humanity and one meaning of being created in the image of God is mankind's unique, unique capacity for moral and rational awareness. Right, so that's the mannishness of man, so when somebody is is sharing their worldview with you, if you pay attention, their mannishness will ultimately betray them almost always, because it's hard to be consistent with a, a relativistic or atheistic worldview that you can't consistently apply that um, you know it's uh, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, I think Mike Tyson said, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, we should should open the borders and we should let everybody in and, you know, so on and so forth and that's the right thing to do and and that's what Jesus would do and so on and so forth. Like, how, how cruel of you, how unloving of you and yet the same person locks their doors at night. Hmm. Well, like, just let them in. Like, what's the big deal? You know, like, Maybe they're hungry, maybe they're tired, like you've got a warm spot, you got food in the fridge, stop locking your door. So little things like that are, are, are big things, you know, getting into the spiritual realm. But, but the, this idea that we have capacities uh, to understand the nature and character and will of God is, is what it means to be made in his image. And therefore, we have a moral and a rational awareness that you can't escape. You can't get out from underneath it and it will inevitably have its way with your worldview, but, but people don't really recognize the, the contradiction, so you gotta, you gotta listen for it. So step one in the inside out tactic is to listen to the way people talk. Um, we used, um, uh, here, I'll let you guys try. We, we used an example last week of, of Earth Day being, this, being a, an illustration of where the manishness of man exposes itself and, and undermines their, their conviction, or at least what they say it is. Uh, what was it? How did that work? How is, how is the, uh, the idea or the concept of, of Earth Day really a contradiction? Naturalists or whatever, yeah. It is, a lot
3: of them are...
0: Liberals. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, go ahead. If there are no more absolutes, why do we have
3: a moral responsibility
0: to take care of the world? Exactly right. Yeah, the idea is that we evolved out of nothing. Uh, what, was, uh, what was Bill Nye's technical uh, jargon there? We're a spec speck on a speck, uh, okay. orbiting a speck amongst other specks or something like that. Okay, well if we just concede that, then where does this idea that I have some moral obligation to take care of the planet come from? I'm just another speck. You can't place that moral burden on my shoulders. Survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest. That's right. Yeah, just however however this plays itself out. Um, So Earth Day is is, uh, uh, one of the areas where if you listen, you you can catch catch people. um, uh, kind of betraying their own, their own world view. So listen to the way people talk. Listen for when from their own mouths their acknowledgement of ultimate reality intrudes on their personal philosophies. Listen for when their words, sometimes without realizing it, betray what they claim to be true, uh, their true convictions about the world and, and how, it, how it functions. And then the second step is to exploit that nonsense. And when we say exploit, we mean it in a loving way with, with character and gentleness and kindness and love, but, but you've got to exploit it by, by asking a question. So, um, you know, this might be cutting to the chase a, a little fast, but, but just to drive the point home here, why should we talk anybody out of suicide? Life doesn't really have a point anyways, right? We're just a speck on a speck, so if you want to leave now, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and check out. I don't, it's fine. And the illustration
4: about Lady
0: Di and Mother Teresa? Uh-huh, yeah. We talked about uh, Princess Di and Mother Teresa, and there was such a opposing responses to that. Like Mother Teresa, everybody was like, "Oh, you know, that's sweet. You know, life well lived, a noble life. She, she served God, she ran the course, and then she died at 80-some years old and just, you know, slipped out and went to be with the Lord, okay? And then... Um, Mother died, or, or Princess Diana. Um, uh, Mother Teresa died, and then there's Princess Diana. Uh, too many things swirling in my head. Sorry. Uh, anyways, but that was tragic, and that was a life cut short. And you know how how could that be? Well, what's tragic about it? How can a life be cut short? There's no ultimate purpose, no ultimate meaning. There's no nothing. So she's a sweet lady. She did some nice things, and then she died. And right, hey, what?
1: She was hanging out.
0: <laughs> David is British. For anybody. In,
1: in London, and they charge way too much in Paris, and they charge too much for season ticket. So.
0: So what are you saying? Did she get what she had coming to her? What are you saying?
1: You get what you hang out with. <laughs>
0: Bad company corrupts good morals.
1: Just a slightly different. English view. All, right, all right.
0: So if there's no if there's no ultimate universal morality, then how can anything really be evil? That, that's the point. So that's that's what you're trying to draw out with your with your question. But again, you don't you don't want to be arrogant. You don't want to be condescending. What'd she say? I don't know
3: why that was offensive.
4: <laughs>
2: there's, there's no, there can't be offense because we are just animals. Then I mean, you can't you can't even say like murder is wrong because that's just someone who is stronger. Yeah. You know, someone who's Yeah. Bigger, bigger game. yeah. We'll just do that.
0: And, if and, and home we don't call them murderers. You know, we just say he was hungry. Yeah, you know that lion was hungry. A
3: bit, my here. Um, what's, if evolution is that we're constantly
0: improving, yeah. why, why bother with Earth Day? Because this is going to get better. <laughs> right? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. hey, look at you, you sound like an apologist, man. Okay. Sorry. Um, All right, so real fast, we also touched on just these, you know, again, within the context of the manishness of man, we talked about these feelings of guilt that everybody has. You know, nobody really denies that, so the question is why? Why do you feel guilty if it's just survival of the fittest, if it's just an evolutionary process, um, why do we feel guilty? That really shouldn't be part of uh, an emotion um, that we, you know, we should experience, so anyways, the, the highlights there is the answer to guilt isn't denial. And the reason we all feel guilty, by the way, is because we are guilty. You know, it's not a social construct or anything else. You are a corrupt moral agent. You have issues like a magazine and, you know, your, your, your sovereign Lord is aware of all of them and you are very much guilty and there's a price to be paid. The question is, who's going to pay it? You or Jesus? Uh, those are really the only two options. So,
4: you go back to the point that everybody has a moral compass. Yes. Everybody knows this world's messed up.
1: That's right. Everybody will admit it. They
4: won't agree on the ways of fixing it, but there's a sense of right and
0: wrong in every one of us.
4: It's every one of us. Very different, but that's our godly image.
0: In fact, so much so, it's so much inside of us. To your point, Julie, we we don't understand the point of a movie or a story. If there isn't some good and evil opposing force and some wrong being made right, otherwise why am I watching this? What is the point? right? So yeah, it's inside of all of us. There's this religious impulse in us. Um, Anyway, so the answer to guilt isn't denial. That's relativism. The answer to guilt is forgiveness, and that's Jesus. Okay, and that's that's ultimately where you want to get the conversation back to at some point, ideally. So, anyways, all of this to say that, that the reason I love the inside out so much is is arguments aren't always appropriate. You know, arguments don't save anybody. Um, they're they're useful. They should be they should be utilized appropriately. But, but sometimes even a, a good argument, it just escapes you or it really isn't the appropriate thing to say in the moment and, and maybe that's when just a simple declaration of the truth is all that's required. You know, life is messy and Jesus is real. Yes. You're a sinner and he loves you, right? Um, and I, you can really sometimes cut to it the other way too. Like I'll, somebody will just start venting, sharing, whatever it is. I don't even know sometimes why people share certain things and you're like I have no idea why you're telling me this. I have no idea what your point is. You're not asking for advice. You're not asking for insight or help. You're not. You're just going. And I'll listen for a while and I'll, sometimes I'll just be like wait. If you died today would you go to heaven? Like just set all that noise aside and let's talk about you and your heart for just one second. And and the way that that can either end the conversation, (laughs) or uh, or or get it to where it needs to be, Um, it 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 can be a useful tool. Uh, Also, if you have uh, creditors or telemarketers or anybody else that's uh, uh, calling you, you know, getting that conversation on the topic of Jesus sometimes cuts it short. It's interesting how that works. (laughs) Uh, and, and sometimes they're willing to talk and that's a great opportunity too and you get these random conversations with somebody you have no idea who they are and you just got to, you know, spread a little seed around um, all right but today is mini tactics so there's there's several to uh, there's several to be covered so mini tactics are simple strategies for dealing with difficult conversations they're relatively uncomplicated concepts that can be e- easily utilized when needed so each of these mini tactics they they should have a place in your toolbox um, and that's the other thing, guys, about this whole class, is it's, it's knowing these things. You don't have to have them dialed in or mastered or you just, you just need to be using them you know. And, and be aware of their existence, know that it's in the toolbox, and even if you're in a conversation and something happens and you know it's like, oh, 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 there's a tactic for this, oh, I cannot think of it, I can't remember, that's okay. Revert to Columbo. Extend the conversation, hopefully pick up a cup of coffee later, and, and, and then go back and, and brush up. Like, oh, yeah, I could use sticks and stones there. Knowledge builds. Don't beat yourself up. Just get out there and, in the sandbox and play. All right, so the many tactics are what a friend we have in Jesus, sticks and stones, moving toward the objection, and watch your language. So, what is that, four or five of them? Um, all right, so start with what a friend we have in Jesus. The tactic trades on the high regard that people tend to have for Jesus as an authority, even if they're not one of his followers. Everybody likes Jesus when he says something that they agree with. They're like, oh, I'll use that one, right? But when, they, when, they, when Jesus says something that they don't agree with, they're like, well, that's what's wrong with you Christians. And it's like, well, hold on, you can't pick and choose, like, either use his words and use all of them, or leave him alone. But, but, you know, stop this, this cherry-picking Dalmatian sort of approach where, where you decide what spots you, you like. Um, Jesus has credibility even with those that aren't his followers. There's a tendency for people who are not Christians to make theological points based on, whether, uh, based on what Jesus either said or presumably did not say. And the person making the appeal is trying to bolster their view, and, and it's it's basically a, a convenient tactic for them to enlist Jesus as their ally. Go ahead, Do
2: you have a question on this? Because if, if we were both I like part of the atheist, and uh-huh. said, oh, Jesus said love friends, and then a Christian would say, well, if you believe that, why don't you believe everything else he said? And even as a Christian, like, I like Bodhi Baca as a preacher, love the guy, but I'm not gonna say everything he said is completely right. I'm gonna say I, I haven't heard anything wrong from him. But I'm gonna hold the hold the liberty to say you no, know, I disagree with him on that. Mm-hmm. So if they hold if they view Jesus as a good teacher, couldn't they just say, well, he said lots of good things. He's not perfect. Yeah. he said lots of good things. So I agree with some of it, but not all of it. In the same way that I mean, we we all do that.
0: Well, and what I what I would say to the atheists is, well, if if Jesus was just a man like Vodi Bachem, then fine. But that wasn't what Jesus claimed to be. Jesus claimed to be God, and that may open up another conversation. But in terms of of this one, you really don't have that liberty, because would you not agree, Mr. Atheist, that that if he was God, and let's put if in all caps, it's a big if, but if he was God, then did what he said matter? Should that matter to us? Yeah. Yeah. And if he's not God, then who cares? Like pick the parts you like, leave the rest out, whatever. But, but my claim is that he was God, you know? So there's a, there's a difference in the way we're approaching the topic, and, and we need to acknowledge that. And you're, f- you're free to hold that view as long as you let something else go or make some other acknowledgement. And it's basically that you're referring to a man, not to, not to God. And now, as the apologist, what I'm gonna do is try to have that conversation. Because now I'm closer to knowing where you are and what your actual hangups are and we've sorted out some of the smoke and mirrors. Is it just in a hurry? How I would probably surf that. And
2: that's where you'd say the three options: he was either a liar, he was a madman, or he was.
0: Yep, a... you could get into that. That's a good argument right there. Uh huh. Um, all right. So, anyways, it's uh, the bottom line is it's a good move. You know, getting getting some kind of authority on your side is a is a good move. Like, I was a part of a ministry in Houston. It was called Rational Defense of Faith. It was a regular old run of the mill apologetics. It wasn't like anybody was. Reinventing the wheel, right? But I found this guy who was a a, a, a Grammy nominee. I don't think he'd ever won any Grammys, but, but for for production for bands that you've an artist that you've heard of uh, that have sold you know hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of records. So he had this artistic, creative sort of thing, right? And and he took all of the principles he knew from audio and applied it visually. And this guy was making these incredible, like just out of this world videos. And, and then he would, he would just add commentary that was basic classical apologetic arguments, but it was, it was wrapped in this media presentation that was just like, whoa, you couldn't help but not pay attention, right? Um, and why am I telling this? I know, but somebody, there was something. I felt like this mattered. And halfway through, I'm like, I don't know why this matters. What a
4: friend you have in Jesus, something to do with him throwing
0: out Jesus stuff, but not. Man, it may come he back to me. He, ne- he
5: never wanted
0: him. Yeah, I know, but that was all in the. Really
5: good. It was a really good presentation. It was like watching a live
0: documentary. It was. It was like watching a, a live documentary and. I don't know, man. There was a point in there somewhere, but I'm getting old enough to where I can just publicly acknowledge I lost it. <laughs> so if that comes back, yeah, I'll have no problem interrupting and telling you, ooh, ooh, I got it. Okay. All right, so whatever. The general principle here, just to get us back on track, is you're trying to pit the audience uh, against Jesus and not yourself whenever you can. That's the idea. Uh, the, the you know, A big illustration that uh, Greg used in the book was... He had a, uh, a a nationally televised debate with uh, Deepak Chopra, which most people have heard of, and he um, he's just some spiritual guru that has got a big following. And um, anyways, Greg Kukul's you know credibility and, and credentials and whatever you know far uh, exceeded Deepak Chopra's, but but Deepak Chopra's fame you know dwarfed Greg Kukul's. So Greg was like, man, what am I going to do to hold the audience's attention? Um, and probably somewhere in there is why I was telling you about this other ministry, but whatever. What, what am I going to do to hold this audience's attention? And, um, and what he decided was, hey, I'm gonna, this isn't a debate of Deepak Chopra against Greg Kukul. It's a debate of Deepak Chopra against Jesus. And I'm just going to argue the things that Jesus argued. And, you know, most people will will be comfortable with that appeal to authority. So anyways, this idea of appealing to, to authority, uh, specifically Jesus, it's a smart move, but but two can play. And we need to utilize it too. So pit the audience against Jesus, not you whenever you can. I, I think I mentioned somewhere along the way about... I love when people say, if I, if I give some kind of argument or something and people say, are you saying that X, Y, Z? No. No, Dustin's not saying anything. I'm telling you, this is what the Bible says right here, Matthew 4. You know, verse 16 or whatever. Here, here it is right here. This says it. Not me. I'm just pointing it out. And now it, it redirects and they have to argue with that, not you as a as a person. So, Get Jesus on your side and let him do the arguing for you. And and remember, like uh, like John MacArthur said, uh, the word of God is like a lion. Lions don't need protected. Just let them out of the cage. and they'll do their thing, (laughs) right? It'll do its thing. So this keeps your audience from disagreeing with you, and instead leaves them in the position of disagreeing with Jesus. So some examples of this. When someone presses you on the narrowness of Christianity, say, well, I understand how you feel, but that was Jesus's view, not mine. And he repeated it often. Do you think he was mistaken? And now now they're arguing with Jesus, not you. And if they say, yeah, I think he's mistaken, all right, how so? And you see how you just flipped the table. Now you're playing the skeptic. They're given all the reasons to justify their view. And then you get to do like the skeptics typically do to us, where they're just constantly throwing up skeet for you to shoot at. Because you know, like, they're over there explaining and defending, and all you do is just layer on another question, another question, another question. That's uh,
1: kind of saying the same thing if you say Jesus. Well, he wasn't right on everything, what was he about? Right. Yeah, tell me about we that. Say, probably. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly right, Dave. So, um, if your audience answers the how so question, this is just a tip or a reminder if 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 you do ask how so and they then they are able to articulate an answer cuz to David's point, a lot of times they just fall apart, you know, like uh, uh well uh. uh and then that that's where the name calling comes in normally. But um, anyways, you know, if, if they are able to, to articulate an answer, you can, you can question it. Um, uh, you, I'm sorry. You're back in the position of leveraging the, uh, the Colombo tactic. So, anyways, when making a point about the claims of the Bible, oftentimes people will push back by, by asking something along the lines, Are you saying that? Fill in the blank. Nope, we're just saying that. So on and so forth. So, that, that how-so stuff, it will, either, it will either shut it down... Or it'll recenter that conversation. Either way, you're, you're back in the driver's seat. That's, that's the big thing on the, what a friend we have in, in Jesus. So it's a good move. Uh, they're not the only ones that, that can do it. All right, so the next one. Well, before we move on, any questions there? Any comments? Go ahead. No, you can. I, I'm just helping.
2: Oh, okay. Um, I'm just thinking that, can, that it'd be a hard balance to have to not come cross to just really pass it. No, no, I'm no. I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. Jesus is saying you're wrong. And it can kind of remove that, a relationship with that person. I mean, it, depend, it depends. Because when he's arguing with Deepak Chopra, Chopra or whatever, um, I, don't know, I don't know. But He, he said was, it, right? He wasn't going to convince Deepak. The point of the, of the televised debate like that is not to convince the other person. It's to convince the radio audience. So in that case, he would approach it differently than if you're talking to someone. Because if you're talking to someone and you just back up and say, no, 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 I'm not saying that. Jesus is saying that that I feel like there's a balance to say, I believe it because Jesus said it. Right. And th- just not to appear passive or remove yourself from a personal relationship with that person.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's good. And again, all of this has to be filtered through each individual's personality. You know, something, something I try to avoid, and my wife would say I'm not very good at this, and she would be right, but is that not telling somebody they're wrong. You know, like that just does, that just kind of just, cuts to the bottom line a little bit too quick you are you know the point of t- apologetics is helping people reason so when you show them that their reasons are faulty well you're just trusting that they can figure out that that means they're wrong right but you don't, you don't have to say well you're an idiot you know because Jesus said so but Jesus said it not me like that's not the approach it's going back to right yeah <laughs> it gets back to them now we're guilty of the ad hominems oh should I tell your story Uh. I can tell it. You tell? Well, hold on. I'll get to ad hominems here in just a few talking points. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with what you're saying. You always want to be cautious. And above all, um, I, and again, I'm not good at this, but, you know, the T-shirt or the bumper sticker that says, you know, being kind is more important than being right, is, is true. It uh, doesn't mean you compromise or, or, you know, modify the truth, um, but but you don't. You certainly don't have to be a jerk.
5: I, yeah, I will say I think the best time I, I've never used this tactic, <laughs> but I've heard it be used by you and Noel, and and I think the best case that I've heard it be used in is when it is getting a little heated, and they're like you said, like when they're like, "Are you saying?" You know, and that's when it's easy to deflect to Jesus and be like, "Whoa, don't don't be mad at me," you know, like that's actually Jesus said that in the Bible. You know, I think that's probably the best. Time to use it when it's getting a little heated and they're offended
0: by something Jesus said. Yeah, I would, I would say, James, maybe to to maybe throw a log on, on the fire you got burning there, um, is I, I'll most often reach for this tactic when I am trying to preserve the relationship. Like the beef isn't between you and me, man. We're just talking. You know, we're just talking. Um, but we're just talking about what this guy was talking about. <laughs> you know, that's the... Go ahead, Julie. And that's the part where you can just agree with him.
4: Yeah, the Bible lesson, isn't, is it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. As a believer, I find some things very difficult. Yeah. Well, yeah. But that doesn't keep it from being true.
0: That's right. Yeah, why?
1: That's right. This is hard. Yeah,
0: that's good. Yeah. Um, all right. I... He, was, uh,
1: he was doing okay on uh, Monday. Joni and I met with him. He's our uh, financial guru. And... Doing a great job, I really it. I'll pay
0: you later thanks that's
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in, in his uh, kind way uh, telling me that being a Calvinist uh, well that you know that's just uh, my view and I feel uh, feel very comfortable and good about my uh, position Uh See, it was a nice way of saying, David, I disagree with you, and you are wrong. Because I'm not a full five-part Calvinist, so that's why I come up and
0: I appreciate the way you told me I was wrong. <laughs> well, and I appreciate the way David had made his arguments, and that's what that's what most of the conversation was based around. It's like we have our convictions, and we were sharing the reasons why there are convictions, but it isn't like there aren't other good arguments. You know, and, it, it, and it's... It, it, again, it, it comes down to conviction. Like, I, you know, I can, I can hear Arminian arguments and I can hear uh, Calvinist arguments and, well, both camps can, have, can and do have really good arguments. But how does that strike my heart? Where does my conviction come down? And that's, that's what i got to go with, right? doesn't mean I'm right. It's just that's the way I'm convicted. Um, so anyways all right sticks and stones Six, sticks and stones is a defensive mini tactic meant to blunt the rhetorical force of distractive name calling which is ad hominem against the man in the latin it's a maneuver to protect you from a certain type of bad thinking and or bad manners so Julie tell us again what the ad hominem fallacy is uh, it's a logical fallacy that involves, a, you, you just told us a second ago, um, okay. a personal attack. An, an argument based on the perceived failings of the, the person, their, their character, other than the merits of the argument. right? It's, it's shifting from whatever is being discussed to, uh, let's see, a real life example. My wife and I, uh, I am not very self-controlled all the time, as you could imagine, but sometimes I am. You know, I got an extra measure of grace that day or whatever. And Allie starts in on whatever thing that spouses can do to each other. No, you're an angel. I know it's probably me. Um, but she'll she'll be grating, you know, and, and really just kind of fishing for a fight or something, you know. Normally, that's my job. <laughs> but, but, you know, she got in the driver's seat that day. And for whatever reason, I'm like, I just, I see it. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-mm. Hours can go by and I'm doing real good. <laughs> and then she's got a trump card that she'll play. And if she hasn't been able to get the reaction out of me, she'll say, you're just like your mother.
5: <laughs> 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 rarely,
0: right? And then as soon as she gets the monster out of the cage, she's done playing. She's like, see told you see, told you you're a jerk. Yep, you're a jerk, see, there it is. And because you're a jerk, that means I'm right about everything else. And it's like, no, you are totally distracting from whatever the thing is. Like anyway, she'll she'll get the conversation to where she can she can throw the label at me, and now it's all about something other than whatever she was actually wrong about. So what a great What's that?
4: Yeah, but
5: how
3: do you...
4: What did
0: you say to do <laughs> the Flowers. Yeah, yeah Greg Kugel said flowers. flowers. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, define mother.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, it is. It is. So uh, log- the logical fal- a fallacy that involves pers- the personal attack on the person as opposed to the argument. That's an ad hominem. So negative labels succeed at marginalizing you because of their ambiguity. M, M- Biguity, e. man. Big U e. I cannot you. Woo! Yeah. Well, yeah, just Right. I was, I was practicing I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in front of everybody, and I'm going to mess it up. Presuppositionalism. How'd I do? Is that the first time I've got it right all semester? No. <laughs> oh my gosh, Trey, leave me alone.
4: Alright.
0: Yep, words can hurt. Alright, so this this idea that, you know, words can't hurt you, that's a lie. Yes, they can. Um, but but when it comes to critical thinking, name calling it, it it inflicts damage for another reason, and that's just because it's a distraction. Um, so the person using the ad hominem is changing the subject from the issue at hand to a question of your character, which is irrelevant to the discussion. Now, Allie had a, it's a
5: humbling class for me.
0: Well, good. Glad you're here. Um, And bring that home with you. Um, Ah, man, I don't... Hey, listen. I'm an opportunist. I'm an opportunist. I don't get this... You know, I got to seize it. Carpe diem. Um... All right, so Allie took a trip to uh, Chicago with her, with her sister, sister-in-law, and her mother. It was her mother's birthday and uh, they, they just did a girls weekend in, in Chicago here a couple of few weeks back. Um, Allie had a situation, she calls me and I think she's still around some people or whatever so she can't kind of tell me the whole thing, you know, and she's kind of talking in code like we'll just talk later, and of course I don't do the talk later thing, it's like no, tell me now, like I got to know now or I won't be able to think about anything else. Anyhow, um, she was not pleased with the way she had conducted herself and she felt like she had blown a pretty good opportunity. Go ahead, tell us how you failed.
5: Oh, such a failure. I'm ashamed. I was with my sister, so her and I can get into it sometimes, and so I think that like, sibling side of me came out. But it started off really good. My sister-in-law was talking about how they had, I feel like, I, maybe you should tell, cause I'll tell
0: no. you about it
5: um, she, they go to the church that I grew up in, it was a Presbyterian church, it was the liberal, the PCUSA, I think, is the liberal side of the Presbyterian church, um, so there's also some emotion there, but, um, so my sister-in-law was talking about how they were having a rabbi come in, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool, you can learn more about the, the Jewish faith, That that's applicable to Christianity, and so we were having, the three of us, my sister, sister-in-law, and I, were having a great conversation about um, just how, how how that is applicable. It gave an opportunity. My sister-in-law is really kind of seeking and learning more about um, her faith and religion. And so I started to tell about the old sacrificial system. And that was the good point. That was the really good part. Got to explain, you know, our sinful nature, the broken tablets, the Shekinah glory, the blood, you know and how you know, Jesus is our perfect substitutionary sacrifice. And in the end, she was like, wow, I never really knew what it meant to atone for our sins. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, praise the Lord, that was awesome. And so it was kind of this teaching moment that then my sister starts jumping in. Oh, my sister-in-law then throws out that, yeah, and then we're gonna have a, a uh, Hindu, Priest um, (laughs) come in and talk to our church as well. And that's where I'm like, whoa, wait, hold up. like, (laughs) Oh, that's weird. You know, (laughs) I think I said that. And um, I'm like, huh, why? And um, my sister was like, well, just, you know, to learn about, to be more cultured, to learn about other religions. And I started instead of, you know, it was this teaching moment I felt that turned into then this apologetics moment that I kind of caught a little bit too late where I should have started asking questions and stopped teaching you know um so become the
0: student becoming the student
5: yeah so um i did that a little bit too late and her and i kind of went back and forth about why that wasn't really a great idea and i (laughs) threw out an ad hominem and
0: through that and through that process you became fairly emotionally charged yes
5: i did Mm -mm. and i said something maybe along the lines of well you presbyterians tend to be a little universalist and um, that's where, yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad.
0: So Allie's, Allie, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. So,
5: well, then I finally realized, I'm like, okay, I need to stop right now and like ask a question. And so she was like, she said something I can't remember. And I said, well, do you believe that all paths lead to God? And that's when she completely shut down. And she was like, no, we're not going to do this this morning. We've had this conversation and I'm not going there. You know, she got upset and angry, which... You know, can be expected, but I didn't help anything with my little comment.
0: Now you were you were wrong for calling it. I was like, babe, that's not even true. You know, and like
5: it's not, but it is. Like I grew up in that, and I didn't hear the gospel because it was kind of presented as this all-loving thing. So I know it was my emotions got in the way of that. And I was appalled that they're having a. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, your outrage was appropriate, but a- anyway, so, um, you know, I encouraged her to call her sister and, you know, apologize for the name calling, and, um, but it, as it turns out, her, her sister didn't even really catch it and wasn't that hung up on it, but the, the real hang-up was, that is kind of what she believes, that all paths lead to God. The and, question is what made her Yeah, mad. the question is what made her mad, and Allie's point, she was just trying to basically draw the line in the sand and say, listen. If that's what you believe, you're not a Christian. And that's fine, but stop running around saying you're a Christian. You know, there's some fundamental, you know, uh, disagreements here that, that need to be acknowledged. But she wanted to have her cake and eat it too, and that's what the tension was about. But but Allie took the shortcut and just, just said, Presbyterians are universalists. It's like, whoa, you can't... Just because you've met some Presbyterians or some universalists that claim to be Presbyterians, you can't just label everybody <laughs> all right so anyways to 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 Dale's point on this um, on this sticks and stones thing the general principle here is make the name caller define their terms so when they call you a name just what, what do you mean by that? Why, why are you calling that? So, so the impact of certain words can be so powerful that you might have a hard time overcoming them unless you draw their meaning up to the surface and out into the open. Um, when anyone tries to deflect your point by labeling you with a nasty name, bigot, homophobe, Islamophobe, racist, etc., always ask for a definition. All right. And this racism thing is, is really getting hard to discuss anymore because the definition of racism is like changing literally here over the last couple of years or so like like as we're talking about it the definition is changing so right now the the political correct definition is, is it's a bit of a collectivist definition right so racism nowadays typically means the oppression of one race by another by, by a dominant race it's 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 collective in nature right and the problem is there's no way out of that for the individual there's no redemption there so in the in the collectivist definition all blame and all victimhood falls on an entire race, disregarding any individual um, you know, standing or any individuals who stand apart. And an individual essentially can do nothing to resolve it because it's a collective problem. And that's the trap. Yeah, it is racist. So that's the, that's the trap. Um, but the, the, the real definition of, of racist, or at least what it's always been, is, is racism is discrimination based on race. Pretty simple and straightforward, right? Which that's a bad thing, but but that is individual. That's an individualist definition. So it, it is only the individual who's capable of making deliberate choices of acting as a moral agent. The group can't act as a moral agent. The individuals act as moral agents. So in in contrast, a a group such as a race of people is, is not a moral agent capable of discriminating right from wrong or capable of making choices since only individuals can choose between right and wrong. The individual's definition of racism is the only racism that any of us can affect. So that's where we should try to keep the conversation. So sometimes just asking somebody to define their term and what they mean by that uh, may open up a new dimension to the conversation. Go ahead, Dale. I'm wondering if, people, if a person of color said I'm a, I'm
3: a, or I'm a racist, just because of white." would it work to say, okay, I, I, I think I understand what you're saying, repeat it, and then to say, well, okay, so if I go to India, does that make everybody in India a, a racist because are white they're treating you differently because you're white yeah. if they do it I I don't know I'm just, I
0: just Well and you're just you're just teasing it out and you're you're reasoning with that person and that is the point you know it doesn't always have to be about right or wrong but you know you were kind of taking the roof off is what you were doing right well another tactic is you're like okay well if that definition works like that and is applied that way consistently how does that work out when we change the context and if it falls apart then they've got some explaining to do. So I think that's a I think I think what you articulated there is an excellent you know approach to take. Uh, and I would say it's you know that's close to you know you you're, a lot of these things start to overlap you know in terms of a Venn diagram or something. So yeah, you're you're utilizing the sticks and stones, but you're segueing into the taking the roof off, and you're keeping the conversation alive, and you're staying in the driver's seat, and and you're helping this person reason better. So. There. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead.
2: But I think it's also really important to, to get a definition because people, well, especially come to Christians, especially with terms like homophobe. Oh, you know, the Bible, the Bible says to stone, stone homosexuals, so you must hate homosexuals thinking you need to kill them all. And if you just say, okay, well, call me a homophobe, okay, what do you mean by that? And then you can go to the Bible and say, no, I don't believe that. Right. And it can, it, it's not just, you know, deflecting and saying you can't say that, but also telling them more about specifically with homophobe, Christ's love and the fact that we're all sinners and homo- you know, homosexuals as much as the kid who stole a candy bar. Uh-huh. We all need Christ. So it really helps. It'll help you to show God's love when they say, you're a homophobe. Okay, what do you mean by that? You hate homosexuals. No, I don't. I'm not just Jesus.
0: Yep. So
2: it's really helpful in, in both ways.
0: Yeah, So and, and sometimes even, just, even if you just conceded and said, okay, fine. Alright, I'm a homophobe. So does and 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 let's just say that's true, and I'm guilty of that, so because I'm a homophobe, does that mean you're not guilty of anything you know like Again, centering that conversation on the individual is always gonna be is always gonna be useful. And and of course, make it known that you're not a homophobe, but but you know, you're just conceding for, for the sake of making a point. So calling someone a name is not the same thing as making an argument. Just look out for that and, and ask them why they're calling you that and what they mean by that term. You know, have them define the terms and see where the definite or see where the conversation goes. All right, MTO moving toward the objection. This tactic is based on the idea that sometimes it's better to move toward an objection and embrace it than charge, rather than charge away, uh, or, or, you know, embrace the charge rather than moving away from it. Sorry. So can, can anyone think of a time that they've seen this idea work, even if you didn't necessarily recognize it as a, as a tactic? Uh, here, I'll give you an example. I had somebody, I had a pastor one time think that he dropped the mic on me. Because we, we, were discussing, we were discussing, you know, uh, covenantal theology and how I'm just not that. I'm not, a, I'm not a covenantalist, right? And he was trying all of his arguments and we were going verse for verse and, you know, okay, we're just, we don't see eye to eye on this. We, you know, we, we both have a, a strong handle on the word, but we got different convictions about, about the way that shakes out. So anyways, he said, all right, well, that means your kids are pagans then. Because, I, you know, I'm not a fan of pedo-baptism, of baptizing babies. So he said, well, well, the implication of that is your kids are pagans. Like, I was supposed to be like, oh, well, will you baptize my kids right now then? No. I said, yeah, that's right. That's exactly what them little demons are. You know? You know, I think pagan's a nice word. I think you're being gentle. They Need Jesus? You're absolutely right about that, and I embraced his idea, right? And and it just took all the the wind out of his out of his sail. His sail. So, um, now for fun, when he called my kids pagans, how come that wasn't an ad hominem? Because you
5: agree.
0: Well, okay, The truth. I did agree, but that isn't what makes it.
5: I was,
2: yeah, I was going
0: to say that's what you were arguing for. You were arguing that their
3: kids were sinners Right. It, the,
0: the name was actually a... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, baptism doesn't... Is, no. Yeah, baptism doesn't save them. <laughs> the name was actually a label that was being applied appropriately within the context. So it wasn't like he was calling a name to distract from the issue to get it on some character flaw. No, he was right. They really are pagans. Like that wasn't a name calling. That was just labeling something that was indeed a fact that was contextually true within the argument. So, so anyways, that dawned on me as I was putting these notes together. Um, every time you think there's an ad hominem there, be careful. It might, it might not be. They, they might have a, you know, just a legitimate point. Um, Is not
5: Ali's argument contextually? Thank you, Dennis.
0: <laughs> 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 Oh <laughs> uh, the women team up and get no, you back.
5: I'm just
4: saying brothers and sisters can have this kind of argument some, sometimes hopefully. Have a pretty hot yeah, discussion
5: can. and still come out.
0: Right, but she was assassinating the character saying that all all Presbyterians believe that all paths lead to God and what she was doing was taking the convictions of a few Presbyterians that she you know, Presbyterians that she had met and applying it, so she was getting off of the issue. The argument is: Do all paths lead to God or not? And calling somebody that you met one time a universalist and saying that has broad implications was not appropriate. So, so in anyways, just just be careful when somebody's using. Every time they call a okay. label something, it doesn't necessarily mean it's ad hominem.
4: All arguments should lead. To a deeper relationship and understanding of each other yeah no. so there are only times when i will indulge in an argument when i know one this is something that needs to be dealt with right. i'm in a situation where i can deal with it without causing harm yeah. and that'll grow in the relationship and improve what is going on if, if it's not if i'm elevated in anger and i'm starting to want to call mm-hmm. names then i say Another time, I yep. overheated.
0: Some other time,
4: This is not going to be profitable. But right. if, the, if the argument, if the conversation, the debate can end up in in nurturing the relationship and drawing closer and a deeper understanding, mm-hmm. it's worth the effort.
5: Yeah.
3: the heated argument.
4: I do. I just stop. Really? Let just them stop. have the last word. Out. Yeah,
0: I was going to say right. let them have the last word and just say you know we we'll just let this go. We can talk about it later. Yeah. Now, what? What Allie was worried about, she was right. The, the, this, this spider sense of universalism, it was there. Why are you having all of these different religions in your pulpit speaking to your congregation? That is foolish. That is not. We're not here for culture. You know. Um, <laughs> anyway, so. But what she should have done is explained why that concerned her, right? Spend more time focusing on the walls of the house, not just the roof. That universalism is, is bad, you know, like at least theologically speaking. Court. So what's that? It
5: definitely struck an emotional chord.
0: Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you just wrote it. You just put a saddle on it and wrote it. I, I've done it. I'm not. I understand. I ain't mad at you. I've done it.
2: So the question you asked had. had Similar result of, of making that statement, yeah. but instead it it's a question, and right. turning her off even more. But yeah. but that question, I mean, yeah, the, the name calling and the question.
5: I could have slept day. better with just the question. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so
0: so here's our here's the bottom line. The tip is don't evade, invade. Don't, don't evade, invade. Um, run, run towards the challenge. Sometimes that's tactically smart. Uh, just run towards it and diffuse it. So embracing the challenge can often take the wind out of an argument's sails by undermining its relevance. So our general prin- principle here is acknowledging the difficulty announces your awareness of the challenge. Now that's one thing you want to do. is You don't want them to think, oh they got you on some idea you haven't considered. No, I've considered the idea. I just haven't spent any time on it because it's silly, right? Um, So acknowledging the the difficulty announces your awareness of the challenge and signals that your position is not threatened by it. Go ahead, Alan.
5: Uh, One thing that I've noticed that a friend of mine does really well in a kind of it's Jessica in a debate. She'll she'll say that's fair. And it's such a simple mm-hmm. statement that I think goes so far, you know, when you just give a little credence, a little credit to what they're saying, that's fair. But, you know, and then you can kind of redirect how you want it to, but I think that that's fair. is helpful to the other person that you're arguing
0: with. Yeah, people don't want to feel like, the people aren't going to listen to you if they feel like you're just out of hand to missing, dismissing anything and everything they're saying. All right, so here, I'm just, for the sake of time, how much do you have, <laughs> David?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm hoping another 20 or 30 years, but if Jesus came hey, no. I'm
0: ready. I mean, I mean, should we shut this down, Do you want the, or do you want me to keep going and round this out? Uh, yeah.
1: All right. Seven or eight minutes,
0: maybe. Okay, fine. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just run through these. Here's a few examples of this principle. I just took them from the book, but in case anybody didn't read the chapter, let's touch on them. Imperfect design, the challenge. If you argue for intelligent design, then you're going to have to deal with the problem of imperfect design. Now, as a reminder, what, what's something we want to do here? We want to identify the claim that's being made, right? Identify the claim. So uh, the problem is if, if, if God designed living organisms, then their design would have to be perfect. But there seem to be flaws in the design. Therefore, there was no divine designer. That's what they're accusing you of. That's, that's basically the claim. So the response is, well, one apparent anomaly doesn't nullify the overwhelming evidence for design. That would be like saying a wristwatch wasn't designed because it runs three minutes slow. No, somebody still designed it, right? So you're straining out a gnat, but you're swallowing a camel, okay? Um, Atheism. There are lots of gods you don't believe in, too, such as Zeus, Jupiter, and Thor. We atheists just believe in one less god than you. What's the claim? Well, the implication suggests Christians and atheists are more alike than they are different. That's what they're trying to smuggle in there. Mm -hmm. Wrong. So your response is, yeah, that's correct. That's right. You do believe in one less God than I do. That's precisely what makes you an atheist and me a Christian. So I suppose maybe some of us may not have been aware of that. So thank you for the clarification. Did you have a point you were looking to make? you know, and then see where it goes. Hypocrisy. The church is filled with hypocrites. You're right. (laughs) And it's even worse than that. We've also got liars, swindlers, fornicators, adulterers, drunk, self-centered, egotists, uh, sinners of all sorts. Really, that's precisely why they need Jesus. Amen. Yeah, preach. And then a fun follow-up question might be to ask them, where exactly is it that you go and hang out and avoid all hypocrites? Like, yeah, I'd like to go there. Where is that that you're hanging out? There's no, yeah. All right, so evil. There's so much evil and suffering in the world. How can there be a God? Of course there's evil in the world. That's exactly what you would expect to find if the Christian account is true. Evil is central to our story. The Bible doesn't just explain that, it predicts it. We live in a world humans broke, and a broken world produces broken people and broken situations. They're right about that. So embrace embrace the challenge. You don't always have to, alright, religion is a crutch. Jesus and God are just psychological crutches for the mentally weak and naive. You're right. Handicapped people do need tr- crutches, but, but everyone needs some kind of crutch. So Christians look to Jesus to, to forgive us and, and hold us up. What do you do? You got a therapist? You got you know like you got some hobby to cope? Like what, what's your crutch? But don't don't give me this nonsense about how you don't have one or or Christians are the only ones that need a crutch. Uh, and then a fun follow up question there might be to ask. Um, Oh, sorry. I just asked it. Uh, (laughs) It's the part of, you know, reading your own notes. A fun follow-up question might be to ask what their crutch is and how they know it can hold them up. Uh. (laughs) All right, so MTO, uh, move towards the objection, is a tactic that's useful when it's to your advantage to agree with a charge rather than oppose it. Sometimes it's possible to flip a negative accusation into a positive light or or at least reduce the charge to something inconsequential. So in summary, embrace and diffuse. Tell your audience they're correct and then demonstrate why the argument doesn't work in their favor. Okay. Last one is watch your language, Now, or no, it's second to last one, uh, but we'll be quick here. I was nervous to even bring this one up because I felt like for anybody to not take it the wrong way, we should probably spend the entire class on it, but we're not doing that and we're also going to touch on it. So if this rubs you the wrong way, go back and read the chapter, spend some time contemplating this point, and then come talk to me and, and we can get into it if you want. But what he's encouraging here is to drop some of this language that is really language that we're fighting for. His point isn't give up the ground of the concept. It's make sure you are effectively communicating the idea to them and you don't have to use churchy words to do it. He's he's really he's not asking you to compromise. He's asking you to step up, step your game up. So terms like faith, belief, the Bible, receive Jesus, even sin can sometimes fall on deaf ears due to their repetitive nature. Right?
5: Even
0: washed in the blood. Washed in the blood. Isn't that a funky one? Like
5: atonement. You know how do you atone
0: here? Atonement. What does that mean, Jesse? Oh, I call it speaking
5: Christianese.
0: Yeah, Christianese, right?
4: Um, and yeah. So
0: Right, for, okay. or completely just dismiss it. Like, oh my gosh, here he goes again. I mean, I mean, you
3: know, it, like, right? Like grace, for example. Yeah. If you talk to someone who's never been in church, I've had friends where I have talked about grace that God gives, and they're thinking about ballerinas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just sometimes that lingo just doesn't even penetrate the the mind. Of
0: Right. Yeah, and there's deep implications to these words. We use these words for a reason because we've been considering these ideas for so long and we've got them boiled down to these words, but it can just become background noise to some people. So watch your language as a general guideline reminding you to banish Christian lingo from your vocabulary when engaging in non-believers. Oh man, I thought you were, I was like, oh, you going to say and so You were just scratching your head. <laughs> Yes. Um, Instead,
3: he never uses the word Bible. Right. I shouldn't say never, but he uses a
0: source. He uh, tries not to.
3: Yeah. you referring to it as the source document or a source document. Um, uh, That's profound
0: for me. It's pretty slick. If
3: If I want to get back to what somebody really said, well, then you go back to
1: the first one.
3: Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah. if you said in, uh, in England you need grace, the response probably
0: would be, is she cute? Right. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Alright, so guy, uh, uh, reminding you to banish Christian lingo from your vocabulary when engaging non-believers. So the general principle, Christian lingo typically doesn't mean much to non-believers. It could probably serve you well to remember that. So, uh, some examples real quick. Uh, Dale just touched on one. Don't quote the Bible. Instead, attribute the quote to the person. You know, Jesus, Paul, the ancient prophets, prophets, or reference, say, the primary historical documents or, or the ancient uh, biographical evidence. This is... You know, uh, this is going to be a different approach that says the same thing. Don't say Jesus Christ or Christ. You know, he he recommended saying instead use Jesus of Nazareth.
1: I like the uh, the historical documents. Yeah. Um, rather than some something old and who knows that historical, uh, I like.
0: It's good, right? Because even the atheists, the academic atheists, that's how they refer to it, yeah. right? So a- anyhow, Jesus of, saying Jesus of Nazareth can help communicate the real life, feet on the ground person of history and it's, it's a little bit fresher take you know, to some of these contemporary ears. You know, don't say sin. Now, sin is not talked about enough. That's part of the problem of the church today, is we don't want to tell anybody they're in sin. But, but don't overlook the point being made here. Avoiding these words isn't to be done out of, out of, of, of timidity, but, but because of the English, the English word just doesn't seem to deliver that same level of punch anymore. So, so maybe instead refer to, to sin as moral crimes against God, or our acts of rebellion against our sovereign, right? It's, it's, it's making it a little bit more tangible, uh, a little bit more accessible for, for them. So anyways, those those are a few examples. Alright, the power of so, we'll just blow through this one. This is really just a slimmed down version of of move toward the objection, right? Whenever someone faults an idea by attacking something about the person who holds it and not by addressing the idea itself, agree with the point for the sake of argument and then ask so, alright? Asking so can expose the irrelevance of a challenge. Simply responding with so to a given challenge can dispute the relevance of a challenge that sounds compelling at first, but turns out to be irrelevant to any case against God or Christianity. So some examples here. Christians are stupid. Yep. Some are. So? I guess
5: Chri- that's more applicable, but that's fair.
0: Yep. Christians are hypocrites. Yep. Some are. So? You're only Christian because you were raised in America. If you were raised in Iraq, you'd probably be Muslim. Yep, probably. So? Right? Many challenges are nothing more than intellectual trash talk. The question the atheist must answer is, does God exist? Right? So the question can't be answered by focusing on human anthropology or human psychology or human cultural uh, human culture. Those things don't tell you anything. Whether I'm Christian or Muslim has nothing to do if there's really a God. And if, if God really exists, does he, does he really want something from me? And if I don't give it to Him, is there really a consequence or a price to pay? You know, the, these are the deeper implications. Um, so. So just because I, I might have a, a, a be brought up in a different religion if I live somewhere else, what does that have to do with God? That's the point. So recenter that conversation. Alright, so what a friend in Jesus. This tactic is based on the fact that Jesus has credibility even with those who are not his followers. Sticks and stones. This is a defensive tactic meant to blunt the rhetorical force of distractive name calling. Moving toward the objection. Sometimes it's better to move toward an objection and embrace the charge rather than running from it. Watch your language. Christian lingo sounds like religious noise to outsiders. The goal isn't to soften the meaning, but rather substitute with more vivid words. The power of so. Asking so can dispute the relevance of challenges that only sound compelling, but are actually irrelevant to any charge against, against God or, or, or Jesus. Um, Alright, you said about seven. Um, five five works five words. good. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. That's why uh, I've not let uh, Johnny keep coming to the class. Cause she's good at keeping time. <laughs> no, she's uh, the, she's in the choir, so choir practice right after the second service, so she's... Anyway, um, just real quick then, on that um, sticks and stones, Um, so before I ever read uh, this book, this was quite a few years ago, talking um, uh, with this uh, evolutionist and, um, you know, mutations get as far, and I said, well, did you know that... um, of 100 mutations, 99 of them are negative, not positive, And then the, the only one that isn't negative is just even. So if you're going to argue for mutations, I, I agree with you because it's going downhill. It's not going up. Uh, oh, well, uh, so we got into a few uh, things. And <laughs> because he had nowhere else to go, he said, bigot. I was like, bigot. Now, I, I didn't have, uh, what's your definition? I, uh, I came up with the definition of uh, bigot instead. Um, and I said, oh, I said, uh, and you too? And he said, oh, no, I, I'm not a bigot. It, 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 it was a trap on my part. So. And I said, no, I'm not a bigot. So I said, okay, you're not a bigot. I'm a bigot. Now, I'm a nice person, I love people, I like to help people. And I'm a bigot, so you're not a bigot, so you don't like people, you don't love people, and you don't like to help. Right? Well, (laughs) obviously, uh, he had nowhere to go. The only thing he had to do was, And he turned around and walked away. So, uh, sometimes that go-to, Go after um, don't let him get away with I, I also like asking for the definition as well or um, coming up with uh, one that will work for you uh, uh, can be helpful too. Uh, just one other thing as well um, on that inside out um, I like um, the way um, Ray Comfort from Living Waters, um, mm. d- uh, in a sense, helps them. Uh, he does it in a hurry, too, does he? He does. So uh, you can go on YouTube and find him, and uh, he'll either be on the campus or uh, some people sitting on a park bench or whatever. And uh, go, hey, Is it okay if I ask you a few questions? Uh, and they'll get talking. Um. So his approach that I like is uh, you've got to give the bad news, So they will appreciate the good news and want the good news and realize the need for the good news. So uh, have have you ever lied? Yeah, it's it's that guilt that we have inside. And uh, yeah, I said, with a smile on his face, uh, quite a bit. (laughs) And uh, well, yeah. So uh, for somebody who who lies quite a bit, What what does that make you? And it's amazing how many people, and I've seen quite a few of these of his, uh, a liar, and you can see that it kind of starting to sink in. Uh, Have you ever taken anything that's not yours, (laughs) like you you know from your mother's purse, your brother's, uh, Uh, from work from uh, 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 for somebody who uh, steals things? What 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 does that make you? a thief and they can see where this is going and it's you can see the uncomfortableness like uh (laughs) uh-oh what i thought was a nice guy and this was going to be a good conversation i'm beginning to hate him already (laughs) you can see it and uh and and he would then use the um blasphemy have you ever taken jesus name in vain now obviously if, if it's an atheist uh, that might, but he, he uses it anyway. Um, so uh, what you're saying is that you're uh, a lion thieving uh, blasphemer. Um, <laughs> that, that seems like a, a bad thing. And um, and usually there's more than one so turn... Uh, what about yourself? <laughs> 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 so uh, I like that uh, approach. Uh, just because it, they are admitting themselves that they've got a problem. And uh, and uh, then how you want to present uh, the good news uh, can kind of vary depending on who you're talking to, the situation, and so on. But uh, just getting people to admit that they're broken, if we want to use different terms than sin, which I, I would definitely agree with. Uh, sometimes in talking to people, getting people to admit we're broken, we've done wrong things. Have you ever, ever had a bad attitude? Da, 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 da. Well, just so you know, all that, if you want to package all that, the Bible uses one little word to kind of sum it all up called sin. And uh, that just puts the package together. Instead of us having to label all the stuff we've just both admitted, uh, that we have a problem with, so um, and then there's the bad news, and uh, and what I what I really love um, about the historical documents, uh, I like. I, that's cool. Um, is uh, it gives uh, the antidote, the the remedy, the uh, the health pill to heal uh, that. And and then here comes the uh, the good news. So um, it, I love talking with uh, people, and it, you never know what direction it's going to go in. And one thing I do appreciate right at the beginning of the book, I was just talking to somebody in the service uh, this morning, um, who asked about the book. I said, what I like about the, the book, he would say, 95% of us are gardeners, not harvesters. Uh, so if you've got the gift of evangelism, okay, you're a harvester. And that's probably the person, the kind of person God's going to use the most to come in with with the good news and, and go for a decision kind of thing. But for the other 95% of us, uh, we're gardeners, so we dig the soil. So just by bringing up something. We uh, sow the seed, we water, uh, we trim, we pull weeds. Um, uh, That thing you said about, just put a a pebble in their shoe to to get them to think, make them uncomfortable about their worldview, about, yeah. Yeah, never thought of it that way. Just so it starts them thinking, and since In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit goes about convicting of sin, that pebble that you put in there, that he got you to put in there. um, I think that's one of the primary uh, things that we need to learn as Christians. It's not up to me to do it. It's me asking the Holy Spirit to speak through me, to show me the opportunity and then give me the words to say in this opportunity. We, we miss it so much, uh, I believe, for most Christians. Um, we talk about the power of the Spirit without talking about the leading of the Spirit, direction of the Spirit, uh, walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, so um, keeping in step with the Spirit, all those in Galatians 5. That, that That's where we need to be uh, living, and uh, it's amazing the freedom, One, once I learned that years ago, the freedom it gives to go talk to people, because uh, I'm asking, uh, I- I'm looking at a situation, so I'm sitting outside uh, Vancouver Mall, waiting uh, for it to open at 10 o'clock, and um, I see people walking into the door so I get out of the vehicle I've got all my Manchester United gear on because we're winning at the time so time to wear right and um, guy gets out of his vehicle he sees the Manchester United gear and he comes up to me and he, he, he said uh, y- you're from England and I, I, I said uh, yes I, yes I am he said um, he, uh, <laughs> he was from uh, Pakistan and uh, he said uh, I-, I learned Queen's English. Um, <laughs> and I couldn't resist. I said, oh, Well, I'm glad you learned the right kind of English. Uh, Won't we'll leave it at that. So um, mm-hmm. then we uh, g- carried on talking, and it was, it was just interesting. But as we go through the doors into the. I n- realize we're going to go separate directions. And I'm saying, Lord, um, is this. The time to bring something up. Is this the opportunity? And um, I can't remember exactly what he said now. I'm turning around uh, to say something. And he said something about being in America and the religious uh, freedom compared to Pakistan, of course. And I said, Well, have you ever considered the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, I mean... Uh, and he said uh, uh, you could see him not expecting the conversation to go there I said because you believe he's a prophet right Uh, yeah and I said do you know what prophet Jesus claimed and uh, so I started to share and I could see him getting kind of fidgety and he's looking over and I realised he's meeting somebody and if him, as a Muslim, now talking, if they start to understand <laughs> what we're talking about, uh, he could be in serious trouble. And um, so I, I said, um, uh, you know, j- just think about it, um, there's plenty of Bibles you can find around, so you can read for yourself what Prophet Jesus actually claimed. And I would encourage you to do that. Because uh, I knew I couldn't go any further with it. And, uh, and I said, so, I'll be praying for you. And of course, Mohammed. I said, I'll be praying for you, Mohammed. So, um, the Lord bless you. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, you just never know. But asking uh, to give you the words uh, in this. Is this a, an opportunity? So... Um, yeah, we were in uh, Starbucks uh, a few weeks ago and uh, made a move to the easy uh, chairs when some people left and there was one guy left and we got talking and finally it moved to the, towards the good news. And, um, and I wasn't thinking any more about it, but as we were leaving, Daniel said to me, I wondered how you were going to move the conversation to that knowing that somehow that probably somewhere in there something was going to get said that was going to either put a pebble in or it's maybe it's time to have it so make sure you pray make sure you're uh, asking whether you feel more comfortable asking the lord um although the uh we're told the uh, the spirit is the spirit of jesus so um same difference, uh, we're to follow Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is to lead us, S- same thing. So, But that's his, it's the Holy Spirit's role. So uh, I don't mind asking the Holy Spirit, since he's fully God anyway. Um, we're not yeah, and, missing out. And, and up.
0: Evan, uh, to David's point, like just having the confidence that the truth is on your side. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing, is just, you've got the truth, so you need not be worried about anything. And then if they're intellectually outgunning you or they're a part of a religion you've never even heard of or don't know anything about, fine. Good. You're sitting with a Hindu? Got an opportunity to learn something about Hinduism. So.